0: Welcome to Founders vs. CISOs podcast. In this podcast, we will talk to well-positioned CISOs and to founders of startup companies in the cyberspace to try and answer some key questions. We'll pick the brains of leading CISOs in the industry and prominent founders in the industry to try and bridge the gap between market needs and sales decks. We'll discuss anything from market positioning to your whiskey of choice. Join us for a light talk. Let's start our first podcast with Hanan Schwarzbord, the CISO of Marvell. A quick introduction about Hanan. Started uh, started with a career in IT, spent about 12 years with PMC Sierra, now MicroSemi. You did your first relocation stint in Canada, spent about three and a half years at Sapiens as the CIO and then moved to Marvell. We in turn pulled you from Israel to the Silicon Valley. And I think you're one of those IT guys who matured into the CISO role, uh, which means that you hold a unique position and perspective uh, around the ins and outs of IT, its challenges, and dissonance between the the IT and the information security, and as as the role of the CISO. Um, Anything you wanted uh, to uh, to add? uh, Give a quick introduction about yourself.
1: No, thanks, Ben. I think. uh uh, I think this is a good summary of uh, the stuff that I did so far. Pretty short, but we have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let me just add to that. I know that you're married plus three. I know your favorite uh, drink is whiskey. Uh, if you could just remind me the
1: the brand that you like most. Um, my favorite brand is uh, Lafroy. It's, uh, it's a really smoked whiskey from the Isle of uh, uh, Isle and it's uh, something that i've been doing for uh, for a few years now
0: good choice good choice i i like the i like the legavulin. it's also smoky you probably know that right
1: yeah that's good as well
0: great great so so hanan let me let me just uh, you know let's uh, start this session here um i'm going to ask you a big uh, a few few introductory uh questions and let me tell you, uh, you might not like all of them, but uh, just feel free to, you know, answer to to whatever you you like, and just feel free to, yeah. You know, let's just keep this as an open conversation. Okay, so let's start with the first question. Um, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think, and, and you mentioned that when we did the intro. Um, I started my role as a as very technical role. I've been doing uh, IT for probably more than 20 years now. Um, and one of the things that you don't learn quick enough, or at least I haven't learned quick enough, is the difference between the IT point of view to the business point of view. And one of the things that you learn as you mature and, and you get more experience is that the business comes first and not always IT. And I think what we are trying to do now, in my point of view now, as a CISO um, is not how to, not always only how to secure the business, it's most of all how to make the business more um, resourceful and provide the business more options to be more successful. At the end of the day, my job at Marvell is to make the Marvell's team more successful. Um, And that requires us to, come up with um, sometimes quirky solutions and a lot of times to find um, new innovations and new concepts new ideas to see how we can still secure the business and allow it to be more successful
0: yeah and actually you know that's a transition I've seen a lot of CISOs uh, go through in my career and I think I've I've started seeing it more and more, uh, probably in the last five years or so, that CISOs really understood that their role was m- more of a business role than in whatever, like an IT focused role or, uh, you know, anything around vulnerability management role. I think, I think in the f- last five years uh, is when I, I, I started seeing more and more CISOs really hold like executive positions and you know really working with the business and not against it um yeah i
1: agree i agree i think that's where we all should be or not all of us but a lot of us should go to especially as a CISO there's there's a lot of room for security operations teams and security operations management and we need the teams to be able to to take what we sometimes envision um and make that reality and someone needs to go over the logs and someone needs to are then the servers we still need to do that we still need to make sure that that's the basis of everything that we do but we also need to to have the strategies in place and the strategies are more business related than operational related at the end of the day
0: so um let me jump into the probably one of the most inconvenient questions that i, I will ask you this uh during this podcast what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from
1: it? Um, it's a good question. I think, you know, as, as CISOs or CIOs or, or executives, we make a lot of mistakes. We, we make a lot of uh, wrong assumptions about the business. And I think pretty early on, especially in my days in PMC Sierra, you learn that you have to collaborate with the business. You can't assume that you know what the business actually means. Um, one of the things that we learned during um, um, part of a, of a BCP training that we went through is that we understood that a lot of the assumptions that back then IT had about what are the most critical environments in the in 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 the company, we weren't completely off, but we weren't exactly on target. And I think. What I learned from that, and, and going back to what I said earlier, is that we don't need to assume it's really important that um, we talk to the business, we communicate with the business and and one of the things that we are trying to do now is to keep a very open line of communication with the business and work with them on the requirements and what they actually see as critical. Uh, a simple BIA would have solved that, but a lot of companies don't have the time and the resources to go through something like that and I think As as a CISO or as an executive in IT, it's really important, even if it's not always the most comfortable thing to do because they have different um, goals, maybe, um, we need to make sure that IT and cybersecurity even more aligns to those requirements. It's important to know that the business is going to go to the cloud or that we're going to remain on prem for example.
0: Yeah. So basically aligning IT and information security, cybersecurity with the business goals and needs. Uh, th- this is what your big, uh, your biggest takeaway out of your one of your biggest failures,
1: right? I, I think so, I think so. I think um, making sure that we're working on the same things is always important because we're providing the infrastructure, would it be IT, in a lot of cases, security as well. It's really important that we find the new and, and, and intuitive ways to, to actually allow, allow that. Cause if not, you know, the business will miss a target and then, you know, what's the point?
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, and, I, and I am in complete agreement with you about that. Um, so, you know, we've, we've spoken about the biggest failure, let's move on and, you know, ask you about your biggest accomplishment. If there is anything you wanna share.
1: I think you can
0: share. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a harder question. Um, I think, you know, I had a lot of success in my career and, and I think one of the things that I like more than anything else is, is the interaction with my teams. I think a lot of the success that I had in my career in a lot of cases was to allow really smart people to, to do what they, they, they like to do and put the right challenges in front of the right people. And I think I'm as strong as my team at the end of the day. Um, and I really feel that having a strong team allows me to be successful and to do what I need to be doing. I've been working and managing people for many years and and it's always a pleasure to see people grow and mature and, and find the right challenge for them. And I think that's something that I really enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, and I think, um... I think that's a very empowering uh, phrase. What you just said, "I'm as strong as my team." I think that would be the headlines of, headline of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure your team, your team will be happy. I'm not sure if you'd want me to share that with them, but I will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they know
1: uh, that. That's fine.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. That's a great culture. I think. Um, so. So what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours?
1: That's an awesome question. I think what um, what I would suggest to people is to learn learn a lot and read a lot and experim- experiment a lot. Um, in my view, a CISO is someone that needs to be able to have a discussion with the IT operations teams or the engineering teams or the compliance teams, the legal, HR, and so forth. We need to have enough information to understand the risk. We need to have enough information to understand what is the potential risk? What are the benefits? What are the values in a lot of the processes that we look at? There's, there's a lot of um, marketing out there in the cybersecurity. The cybersecurity um, startups are, are and, and there are a lot of good ones, but they're, they're pushing a lot of, uh, um, a lot of new technology that we don't always require and a lot of technology that, you know, I'm not sure if it will be here with us for the next couple of years. Um, and I think by learning and getting as much experience as you can, you have the ability to decide what's more important um, for your uh, uh, your company and what are the best things to uh, to invest in.
0: Yeah. So, um I guess one of the the key takeaway here is not not buy technologies, solutions, and services just because the vendor provided you with a great discount. Is actually yeah. lead in accordance to your strategy, right?
1: It is. It is, and and you do need to have a strong uh, uh, connection with your vendors. But you know, if if I go back to the, to the question of of what's the thing, so. The one thing I would tell to people is, is work hard. There's no shortcuts. Uh, there are no magic pills or or anything. It's, it's hard work and it's fun. You know, challenges are awesome. We love challenges.
0: That's good advice. Um, so let me ask you another a quick question here. Um, so, you know, taking into consideration that you grew out of IT, <coughs> So what do you feel about the role of a CISO that that is actually a part of the IT division? What are the the pros and cons for that?
1: (laughs) One of the things that um, uh, we thought about when uh, I moved into IT is where would I be able to influence and provide more support to the company? Um, And I think the the IT team that we have in Marvell, um, we work really close together and we're able to achieve um, a lot of um, very quick uh, wins to the company, and we were able to provide a lot of support. Obviously, the the con around it is that we're all fighting for the same resources. And sometimes a lot of the, the change that we need to do in Marvell comes from, from the discussions, and that in some cases would take longer. I think some of my... Peers, in some cases, would prefer to sit outside of IT, and there are some benefits to to that. Uh, But in Marvell, in the current situation, I think it works and it does make sense. Uh, Potentially, in in another company, in in another phase in my life, I would think differently. But for the current team that we have in Marvell, we see a lot of benefits doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it works really well.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay that's that's great feedback but let me just ask you you know another question related to that do you do you ever feel that you're somewhat in a place where there's you know I don't know maybe conflict of interest or lack of segregation of duties or anything like that that you might you know you might assume two roles and you're feel conflicted about you know
1: what comes first IT or cyber um. I don't think so. I think it's, it's, it's a reason why you take people that are seasoned pros, and I've been working on this for enough time. Um, I also have a lot of um, um, audit and, and compliance that reviews what we do and reviews the decisions that we take. Um, I think the first thing that has to come forward is what's the best solution for the company and what's, uh, what should we do to make sure that the company is successful. Um, I think that in in my view, if I would just go and and block everything because that's the most secure thing in life, you know that's probably not the best solution for Marvel. If I open everything again, that's not the best thing it's It's all at the end of the day to understand what's the best recipe and what percentage you do for blocking and what percentage you do for for allowing um I think i t and and being part of the of i t allows me although you know, a lot of the decisions are separated and my team reviews those decisions but doesn't always take them. It allows us to have closer view to what's changing in the company, the new technologies that are coming in and how we need to protect them. One of the things that I can, um, we can maybe look at is, would we have the same kind of visibility if we were part of a different group, um, coming as an auditor instead of a partner. So there there are pros and cons to, to both options.
0: Okay, um and uh and i know you you've 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 mentioned that uh, you know uh i'm as strong as my team but what are the the other best resources that have helped you along the way apart from
1: that yeah um i think there there are different levels um i think if if you know we talked about communication with uh, business leaders that's always a, a great resource to understand what we're going through Um, I've been working in in very technological companies for all my life, and you find that there are really smart people that uh, work in different groups in the same company that you don't always know that. Um, Obviously, we work with trusted partners. We have a list of a few trusted partners, technology partners that we work with, um, and we get a lot of the information from them. You see where they're taking the technology. If an uh, uh, enterprise cybersecurity company decides to invest a lot of uh, millions in new technology, identifying a risk, I think it, it makes sense in some cases to follow them, in some cases it doesn't, but at least it puts, us, it puts that technology on the radar for us. Um, we also work with a few uh, advising companies and, and get some, uh, some support from them. Um, one of the things that, at least in my point of view, we do a lot, is we don't always work with local companies. One of the benefits that we see, um, in, if you work with different regions, you find that there are different risks and challenges that they face to. And because Marvell is a global company, and most of my life I worked in global companies, you end up understanding that you need the perspective. You need to understand what your team in India sees, and you need to understand what the, the team in China sees or or the team in, 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 in Europe. Um, and that helps a lot when you start planning your roadmap. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so would it be accurate to say that for you, like a combination of a strong team, uh, strong uh, uh, support network of vendors and advisors, and and possibly a global network as well. Would uh, would that sum it up?
1: And Google, yes.
0: And Google, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> you can never. Uh, you, I I can't even understand how we did anything before Google. But, I don't think
1: uh, we did anything before, but no. this is a commercial for them, so. Yeah, we're
0: just watching <laughs> like uh, you know, one channel on the television or something like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. So I had another qu- quick question for you. Uh, can you name three people who have been the most influential to you?
1: Um, sure. Um, I think it, it was a combination of, of um, uh, people that helped me on the technical side, gave me my first chance and allowed me to grow as a, as a professional, but also people that um, sort of helped me grow as a manager. And to see, you know, what what is the value of communication, and what is the value of of having a strong team, um, and I see that a lot in in my teams today. You know, when you start as a, when I started as a young leader, as a young manager, um, a few years ago, many years ago, um, you know, it, it's sometimes hard to understand, you know, that you need a strong team and one of the managers that I had back then basically explained to me the value of a strong team. You know, you're um, when your team is successful, you're successful. And I think that's something that you learn. So instead of looking for people that you don't feel threaten you as a, as a manager and, and won't be able to replace you, I want the guys that can replace me. I want the guys that are stronger and, and the guys that are smarter and will tell me what am I doing wrong. Um, I like people that that tell me you know that my ideas are are need some improvement, and we still need to work on the plan because I think that makes me stronger and that makes my team stronger and and I think that's that's confidence that comes with time and and having the the really strong really seasoned manager to come there and um uh, and support you that that is always a uh, an added value um, on the technical side, you know all we need. Or sometimes all we need is a chance. And, and I think having the, the manager that pushes you on the technical side to come up with a not always obvious solution, you know, to teaches you how to think outside of the box. I think that's a that's a great value as well. Um, and the last one, you know, that's that might be an interesting one, was the manager that kept challenging me on a personal level. Um, making sure that I do make take the right decisions, um, have a lot of oversight of everything that I do. But he taught me how to be very confident with my decisions, to listen to others, but to be very to be very confident with what I'm looking forward to and how I strategize my my uh, my steps. And I think that helped me a lot feel more secure about my processes. And it's it's interesting because that was that was a big challenge, but a very rewarding challenge that I often go back to when, when it's, uh, it's a little bit hard. Um, and I think one of the things that I learned from that, and, and I really enjoy that, I really like being audited. I like when there is an audit because I like someone else coming in and saying, okay, it makes sense. What you're doing actually makes sense. It takes some of the uncertainty out, you know, and as a CIO, as a CISO, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, we, we always talk about, we all know we're going to get rich at some point. And unfortunately, you know, there isn't a lot we can do uh, against that. It's all how fast can you discover it? And having someone else coming in and saying, okay, your, your protection looks good. You're on you're, you're the right direction. It, mm-hmm. it gives some comfort. It, it helps a little bit. And I think that's something that um, was, a, was a hard lesson but a very rewarding one and a very important one at this point of my career.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I think the, the professional world is divided between those who see audits as um, a check the box uh, type of thing and those who look at audits as an opportunity to really you know, get something reviewed and possibly get some value out of that as
1: well. Yeah, and in, in my view, it's it's I completely agree. It's part of the continuous improvement. That's where it has to be. Um and we've been working a lot on improving our environment, so it just makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, let's go go forward. I have another uh question for you that I think you might like here. So the question goes like this. What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk?
1: Nice. Um, I think if, if I have to choose one, I would say um, more products is, is better. I think one of the things that um, some of our partners don't always understand, some of the vendors don't always understand that in the list of risks and it's a long list that each one of us has it's it's not always smart to just throw more services and more resources and more it it just doesn't help um we need to be very focused on what we're trying to deal with we cannot throw technology for forever we have to go back we have to consolidate we have to make sure that there is there is a, a strong relationship between the vendors that we work with, and that they can play nicely together. I, I know that you know there are a lot of new risks out there. There is a lot of new technology. It's it's hard to try and deal with everything at the same time. It's impossible to try and deal with everyone at the same time. I think that even if if I would double my team and double my resources, I wouldn't be able to treat each and every one of the risks out there. So we have to do some um, some math. And we have to come back with the strategy and the plan, and and the logic behind it. And and we have to decide what is the, the technology that we want to try to invest uh, invest in. Um, and it takes time and it takes a lot of uh, experience to do that. And we're not always right, unfortunately. Uh, but I think what uh, what people need to understand and, and um, some of uh, some of the folks that we work with is that we just cannot keep trying to throw more technology on on issues we need to to focus on what we're actually going going to do
0: yeah yeah because otherwise I think you just spend so much time on you know feeding those products working on those products and not necessarily getting the value that you need out of them and uh, I think that that comes back to, to a topic that we've touched on uh, earlier in the conversation where you know, whether you wanna lead or be led by whatever, by a vendor, a discount or, or anything else for that matter.
1: Agree. Uh, you know, a lot of cases we forget that you know, if, if the device is working and there is a, a beautiful blue light pinging in the server room, it doesn't mean that we finished the implementation. You know the fine tuning takes long, the longest and and it's the most important thing. Uh, making sure that it collaborates with the other tools that you have is more important than having the blue light in the server room. So um, we we tend to to leave uh, not enough time to the actual fine tuning and more to the initial deployment. And I think that's something that you know a lot of my uh, a lot of the, the teams that I was uh, working with and the teams that I led didn't always remember that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, let me ask you a personal question that is mo- that, that relates to me actually. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of a group of companies. Uh, it's a consulting group. Uh, so if you could step into my issues as the CEO of a consulting group, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? in your opinion?
1: Um, I think a lot of people that work in in sales, and unfortunately as a CEO, you do a lot of sales. um, People don't always stop to ask, what is actually bothering me right now? What are my top five, top 10? And I know in a lot of cases, we don't like sharing that because that opens the door to some other sales guy to come in I think it's it's important to understand the industry. I think it's important to understand the risk overall and I think semiconductor manufacturing business is is going through a lot of challenge right now and and that challenge is uh, um, is is new to us in a lot of cases and we have to deal with a lot of risks that we didn't have to work with uh, in the past um, I think i what I would expect or maybe expect is a big word but I'm hoping people will stop doing stop offering me money for my time if if you have an awesome product, I'll be happy to talk to you if you have to pay me to listen to you, I probably won't do that. Don't offer me um gifts don't offer me those things i don't i I've never liked that, and I don't take gifts if If your product is good we'll be happy to talk to you if it's good we'll we'll even buy it but um that's something that you know, I was always uh, trying to, to distance myself from.
0: Them. Yeah. And that, that actually brings me to a couple of more questions around that. But let me just ask uh, another uh, quick question uh, regarding the, the topic that we just covered. So you were, you, you said, if your product is good, we will happily talk to you. Uh, I'm assuming when you say product, you also mean services? Same thing. Same okay. thing.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't think the difference between the two
0: okay great so and right now I'm, I'm coming up to to the follow-up question uh what's the most annoying sales speech you've you've encountered
1: wow there are there are so many so many where, of are where, where, where what to choose here oh that's so hard like the stories i can share um don't don't i, I think you know the the worst thing that you can do is um put me in a, in a bad spot with my management and we I've seen that a lot I don't like when people do that I don't like when people send me gifts I already said that because I really hate that um, but you know I've I've seen situation where people would um will make my management second guess my um my decisions and put me in a spot that I have to defend myself against the vendor. Unfortunately, that's, that's not gonna last. Um, you know, I need to trust the vendor. I need to trust my partner. And would it be a, an auditor or would it be a, a vendor? Would it be a reseller? I need to trust them. Um, one of the hardest things, I think for us to, um, to differentiate between the different types of salespeople Um, and I think it's, if, if there's one thing that I really appreciate if people don't do, um, don't assume that I have the time. Don't, don't do the cold calls. Don't do the, the cold emails, the, the LinkedIn attacks. We all just, I don't have the time. Like I, I don't have the time to spend doing that. And it's, it's, it's really hard and I really feel bad when someone sends me an email and I don't respond or someone sends me a LinkedIn invite, but I don't, and I don't respond, but there are so many and there's one of me and it's, uh, it's always hard to, uh, to, you know, not respond to someone. And I know, unfortunately, CISOs have this reputation, which instead of defending, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, it's true. Um, but the, the real honest truth is that we just, I can't go over every technology out there and every cool startup and we sometimes go back to them and sometimes we don't, but it it's too much. Um, okay. There are so many stories, Ben.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: thinking in my head of a few of, of, of those that it's funny now, but it wasn't then when you're trying to build a partnership, you have to trust your partner. Um, so when I tell you that I don't have the funds for it this year, or I don't have the resource and you know, I can't make it this year, or I don't think it's my priority. Trust me, that it's not always a negotiation step, and being more pushy doesn't always help. Being a good partner helps.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that that would uh, that was a great piece of advice that a lot of the vendors out there might appreciate. But uh, now that we've covered what not to do, can you tell me what it is that you you are looking for in a vendor? Or in, if you could possibly share, you know, any, anything about that?
1: Um, you know, I think uh, vendors that do their homework and, and show their value are more important than anything else. I have um, partners and vendors that I've been working with for decades. And I've been staying in touch with them, even if we don't work together, because that provides them a perspective of where, where I am and, and what's important to the industry. Uh, vendors that understand manufacturing have more value to me than vendors that, you know, just found me on LinkedIn and send me a call in a call text. Um, I see much more value in that. Um, I think, and and obviously in 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 my very limited visibility of what a vendor would do, um, I see a lot of benefit, you know, in vendors that understand the long run, you know, not. Uh, be particular about you know you, you need to pay me three more cents for for um, for something to happen, and I think I would value more a vendor that will just help us and move on because he understands that there's going to be a follow up uh, to whatever we were doing first, and theres gonna be a next stage and a next stage and I think there is much more value in a vendor that that sees that um, and obviously working with with uh, sales for for most of my career you see the difference and, and you learn that really quickly. Um, I do like, you know, my team works hard, I work hard, and I like that the people I work with, the partners work um, to get the product um, and to provide us the, the resources that we need. And I think what I'm asking in, in, in a lot of my um, uh, communications with, uh, with salespeople is, is to have an honest discussion. You know, I know it's a lot to ask, but, um, and that's one of the reasons I hate PowerPoint, Death by PowerPoint is a real thing. Um, and I think it's, it's more, to me it's more productive to have the discussion. I also think that what uh, people need to understand is that we don't always have the time. Um, when I get a, a strong reference from one of my colleagues, you know, that they've been working with a vendor, they've been uh, getting the information from a vendor, they're getting the results from a vendor. For me, that's really important. One of the things that we will never do, we don't buy new technology unless we talk to some of our colleagues and our peers and understand, you know, that it was a, uh, a successful uh, implementation. Um, we do cutting bleeding edge at sometimes, but it really depends on the technology and the benefit to the company. Um, I think talking to my team is also an option. Please don't flood my team. They work hard, they don't have time. But, you know, if they strongly believe that, you know, there's a strong solution, there's a strong product that we need to review and we need to talk to, I think that's something that I will definitely be much more open to listen to. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe the last request, if I told you no once and I told you no twice, please believe me that, Every time, it's still going to be a no. So, give give me some space.
0: <laughs> okay, and so you actually partially answered my next question was, which was, um, I, I wanted to ask uh, to ask you, how can vendors actually connect with you in a non intrusive manner? And you kind of touched on that, but if you wanted to give like you know some
1: more clarity about that, um, sure. Um, I think the industry is is where um, I find a lot of um, a lot of the resources that I need. In a lot of cases, where we identify that we have a, a risk, or we have a concern, we have something we want to be focusing on, we would reach out to our network, uh, to my peers and colleagues, and and ask them, you know, what do you do? You know, what what policy did you de- deploy? What product did you deploy? Um, what information? You know I should be looking into how did the deployment went and 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 that saves me a lot of time um and there are dozens and dozens of examples of of that being successful at the same time you know going and and talking to uh uh, to my team in some cases where my team is interested in the technology because they know what I would be looking into Uh, that could be helpful as well but again my team has even less time than I do. So getting to them is is, um, as hard as as talking to me. Um, And I think in a lot of cases, what I would be looking for is uh, finding the market leaders and and to hear about that. So we follow a lot of the market, uh, the the press releases and, and the changes in the market. So a lot of times we'll reach out to vendors ourselves um, sometimes it's more successful, sometimes it's, it's not, but if you're trying to, um, to push something, you know, you have to be careful, um, because too much is, is, is as bad as not contacting us enough. Um, if a vendor leaves us with a bad taste in our mouth, if I, if I can say that, it's going to be hard to forget that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, ah, um...
1: one more thing, sorry, <laughs> I forgot about it earlier um moving between companies you know that's always uh, fun but you have to remember that you know a lot of my priorities in company a would be different in company b so assuming that we're going to use the same technology it, it's not true um i use what's right for the company not not the guys that i used to work with uh, before um and i found that some vendors or partners are find that hard to believe and hard to deal with so there you go I got okay. everything off my chest now. I'm free. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. So I'm guessing uh, like the traditional 12 touch points with a potential prospect will not work with you. Um, sending emails and emails and calls and on top no. of calls. Yeah. yeah.
1: Please don't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> don't. You don't have to worry about me. I won't. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, so I, I, I had another question to ask you about uh, how and where can listeners, if they want to, if, how can they connect with you online? I mean, and I'm not sure if you, uh, if this is something that you're, uh, you know, because you just spent, you know, a few minutes talking about it. Uh, um, but yeah, it's up to you if you want to take that.
1: Um, I have to admit, 99% of the social media I'm in you will not find me, and if you will, it's not really me. It's one of the fake accounts that, unfortunately, they're out there. Um, I'm I'm not really a social media person, so that's that's for that. I think in in my corporate life, again, we we talked about it. It's it's harder. Uh, I think what helps more is, you know, finding the right connection. The only um, the only place that I sort of keep some, some active um, social and, um, social life is LinkedIn. I don't know if I can call LinkedIn a social <laughs> platform, but um, that's pretty much it because I like keeping track where people are and it's easy to find uh, connections there. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Okay.
0: When we were speaking about uh, how can vendors connect with you in a non-intrusive manner, uh, so you kept saying that you go back to your network. And you, you know, you consult with your colleagues and so on and so forth. But let me ask you another question about that. Doesn't it perpetuate the, you know, the status quo, whereas, you know, you just work with the same bunch of vendors and companies throughout your career? I mean, how can new companies, new vendors, even, I mean, it could be a startup company and it could be an established vendor. How can they actually reach out to you?
1: so I'll, I'll i'll that's a, a very uh, very good question um i'll divide my answer into into two here and and i think there's there's something that I, I should probably just explain um i i don't think i've worked all my life with the same vendors i think i've worked with uh, with large vendors and startup companies and it's a different process with with both of them um, larger companies would often know how to reach us because they either work with someone in my team or in a lot of cases they know someone from my network and they will see you know who can help them get there. startups are different and and I think in in both cases it's all about people you know about the chemistry about the trust and the partnership that happens between between uh, between the vendor and us um, and I think in a lot of cases, it, that trust takes time, and, and it's hard and impossible, I would say, even to make it happen artificially. And I think it just, it's a matter of, of the dedication and, and continuing to, to work with us. Um, I can share a few companies that I worked with in the past, um, from the startup mode to, um, depending on the company, a more established company, um, Storewise, for example, was one that I think I was customer number one or two. Uh, Marvell has been customer number two for Armis, and I'm working now with a few startups. One of them is Findings uh, that actually does uh, supply chain security, which I think is a is a, is a a huge risk that we're looking into. Um, I think startups are really interesting. It's, it just, again, goes back to we cannot deal with everyone. Um, and building the relationship and the trust takes time, and and some patience from both sides.
0: Okay, that's a great feedback. I'm sure a lot of uh, potential vendors would would love to hear that. Got it. Uh, so we're almost wrapping this up, and I know you have another uh, meeting. So I won't. Uh, I'm trying to be respectful of your time. Uh, let me just get those two out of the way. What's the most single, most important thing in, to you in your career?
1: Um, I think the most important thing for me as a person is to be challenged and, and to do interesting things that will influence people and influence companies and, and allow me to touch technology, allow me to touch um, and work with smart people. Um, I think you know, if, if I had to choose between you know uh, uh, being really challenged to doing a nine to five, I would probably go to the being really challenged. I like working hard. I like um, getting the exciting challenges and, it, and challenge my team. I think it's more rewarding for me and, and helps me get out of bed in the morning. Um, I don't do well being bored. And my team knows that very well. When I'm bored, we have new projects and, and new stuff coming their way. And I think, you know, um, I wanna continue being challenged and I wanna continue working in, in fast growing uh, companies that provide new and exciting challenges.
0: Great, great stuff. So, you know, uh, I'll, I would like to wrap this up with two personal questions. Uh, and again, feel free to take whatever that, you know, feels right to you. First one is, if you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life?
1: Hmm. Um, unlimited funds, you say? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think I can think about unlimited funds. That's a lot. Um, I think what I want to do more is, is have more time to do two things. One, learn. Um, I would love to go back to school. I would love to do some more of that. Um, I like, really love learning, and there are things I want to learn. And the second one is spend more time with my family. Um, working in in this role means a lot of hard working hours and long hours and working at every hours of the day. Um, I think I miss too many family occasions and birthdays and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I know I can't uh, make it up, but I do – want to spend more time with the family yeah so work-life balance is a big thing if i have unlimited funds yeah
0: i totally i mean totally I, i'm totally in agreement with you about that uh so and and one last question just to you know to get to know you a bit better have you read or listened to anything recently that really inspired you did you have like a like a aha
1: moment <laughs> Um, I don't know if there's something in particular. I, I read a lot of uh, a lot of things at the same time, um, so I can. In some cases, it takes me years to read a book. Um, I think one of the books that I just finished reading is uh, is an Israeli book um, by uh, Professor uh, Yossi Assur. Um, the name of the book is When You Ran Out of uh, Hot Water. I don't know if it's translated to English or not. I'm I'm sorry, but um, it, it's a book that talks about decision making and how to make the right decisions. Um, it helps when you look on on some of the things that you have to uh, to do on your day to day. And I think one of the things that you learn in life, and and I don't know if that helps or not, but um, is to understand that in some cases, not making a decision is worse than making the wrong decision. And in a lot of cases, we need to make a decision and potentially go back and fix it. We need to have the right information, we need to have the right teams, we need to have the right resources, but we also need to make the decision. Um, So really awesome book.
0: Okay, thank you for sharing. Um, Any parting words you'd like to leave our audience with?
1: Um, I don't know. I think we went through a lot of stuff. So thank you very much for, uh, inviting me for the first podcast. And, uh, I hope to be invited again for the hundredth one. And, uh, thank you very much for your time.
0: Same here, Hanan. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of CISO's Insiders. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more professional content, please check us out on social media.